0: Yo! Film gods. um Loads to cram into this minute and a half intro. So firstly, I want to give a shout out, a massive, massive shout out to all my Cypriot peeps who have kept the film gods at number one for the last two weeks in the film interviews, Apple podcast, massive love, and then huge, huge day as we've got our first post-lockdown sponsor. We have got Rate. Right, oh yeah, the APA Shoot Diary. And uh, we've been talking for a couple of weeks now they've got version two that's been out slowly but specifically and only for you beautiful film family um is he giving us six months free instead of the three months you go and use the promo code film fam f-i-l-m-f-a-m um when you go in and you're going to get double the amount of months for free to try it out it's brilliant I've been using it now for the last couple of weeks. It's just been so helpful to help me get all of my invoicing sorted. And I can share that info of rates and dates and times and breaks. Um, with anyone that's got it there with a real quick, simple click of a button. Um, the bespoke APA guidelines algorithm instantly works out exactly what you've earned and displays it in a super clean and easy to understand summary. Um, I love it. Right. Go do it. R-A-T-E. App Store. Download it now. Let's get started. Right. Ladies and gents, film family, welcome to another episode that is going to be phenomenal. Um, we've just had a, a, a brief chat offline and I just I haven't stopped fucking laughing. And, and it was lovely just to hear a man who I respect so much kind of talk about the podcast and saying it's like being at Black Island breakfast and just sitting there listening. And I hope that everyone else is getting the same kind of vibe. Um, so thank you for listening. The man, as I said, is a legend. He's seen me as a little bubba as a runner. He's seen me kind of grow up um, into a not-so-bubba not so, not so bubba with a bit more grey in the hair. Um, and he yeah. said yes to come on, which I love. So without further ado, sir, what is your name and what do you do?
1: Hello, hello. Thank you. Um, obviously, let just go first. Big thanks to you for doing this. I think it's great. Um Pleasure, man. Pleasure. Like you said, it's, it's very much like it brings a level of normality back to these uncertain times, and I think it's great. Um, like I said, I'm up to about episode 18, um, and I love it. I think you're doing a great thing. Thanks, um, man. Without further ado, my name is Mikey LaBelle, and I am a freelance producer.
0: Whoa, woo.
1: So what does that mean to you?
0: <laughs>
1: what, does that, what does that mean to you? What does it mean to me? Sleepless nights and uh, big bags under my eyes. Um, no, it's it's good fun. I've been producing since two thousand and seven. So that's a good. It's yeah, over a decade. And and uh, I mean, what do we do? How do we do it? It's um, production is is it's part of the core of, of, of filmmaking and and, mm-hmm. and what we all do really and it's something that i really love it's um every day is a challenge and to every problem there's a solution and we work together as teams to to fight through it and and get from a to b oh stop
0: it this
1: guy <laughs> just
0: dropping bombs already it's not even a minute in all right well look how did you get in what was what's what's the backstory where, where how did you, what what the who's the house who was that person what was the first step?
1: Well, I mean, I guess the first thing, like I said, having listened to a lot of your episodes already, you hear of everyone's different parts into the industry, and and actually, I didn't go to film school. Start two degrees, didn't finish either of them. Um, <laughs> I, I I didn't. As a kid growing up, I was surrounded by film, but it's not something that was a burning passion. I can't tell you who the DP was on X, Y, and Z. I I didn't follow people's biographies. I wasn't obsessed with it, but. I was really fortunate in the sense my old man, my father was a commercials director in the golden years. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is way back when, when, you know, budgets were different, timings were different, schedules, everything was completely, completely foreign to what and how we work now. But, Mm. you know, I grew up around it and I, I, you know, you'd get picked up from school by a driver who you'd never met before and taken out to Pinewood because your dad was working and you'd walk onto these sets of, Wow. you know 90 plus people where they'd built an entire woodland with animatronic woodpeckers and live badgers and running streams and, it, and i think it was i think it's fair to say it was it was ingrained in me from a very very young age even yeah. though i didn't foresee myself going into the industry i mean as a kid i didn't know what i wanted to do
2: hmm.
1: um so i mean i I started running in my school summer holidays when i was 13, 14, 15. Wow um and had that really fortunate uh, you know door that sort of that 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 doorway into the industry where i basically you know mum was working dad was working and the best thing for childcare was for me to go to my dad's office and photocopy you know 200 page scripts 20 times and make people <laughs> tea and coffee when they wanted to nice um is it was that so, quite yeah, a I,
0: difficult I, like you know it's like some people that haven't got parents that got them in go oh yeah it must be really easy if your parents I don't like if your parents are in it, sometimes you've got to work even harder because then you don't want to come across like it's just been handed to you. Do
1: you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you always hear nepotism and, and, and different people have different views and everyone's entitled to their own view, but I don't, I wasn't treated any differently to anyone else. And mm. like I said, I mean, this is back in the day when, you know, certain people were developing feature scripts and you had faxes. And when you got a fax through, you had to organize it. But I mean, I, you know, I was still making teas and coffees, and it was a, it was definitely—it was an interesting introduction to the industry. But I, I wasn't treated any differently, and 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 I think, you know, what I learned from a very young age, which a lot of people said on your podcast, is, you know, no no question is ever too stupid, and actually, yeah. you've got as a runner, we all know we've all been there. You you, the most important thing is to never sit down and always look busy, and and that's kind of what I learned from a very very young age, and you know, I wasn't full time in the industry. I was a kid. I was still at school. But Mm. as I grew up, when I got older um, and kind of started a path towards trying to figure out what I wanted to do as a career, I already had, you know, the fortune of having that experience and having a real understanding of the industry. But, Mm. you know, I I, essentially we all do the same things coming up. We learn. I mean, Christ, dude, we're still learning every day. Mm. Um, Every job I do at the age of 37, I mean, producer over, you know, over a decade, you still learn something every minute of every day and that's the beauty about this industry amazing and then
0: always did you ever kind of go on to sit and go i want to be a dp i want to be a director i want to be a thing how did where did the production passion come from
1: well so when i i went to uni made some amazing friends have no regrets um didn't come away with a degree and actually decided that didn't um, come away with two degrees the... two degrees oh, that's exactly. impressive yeah i know it's not bad eh? (laughs) hey but i'm probably one of the only people you've ever said that on your podcast but (laughs) i think um with the with the humble encouragement of my parents um they suggested i came back to London got a job which i Mm -hmm. thought was a very reasonable suggestion
2: yeah
1: Um, and the one thing i knew was running and from all the contacts i'd made through my own progress as a younger in my teenage years and having kept on my call sheets meant i could then contact those people but i didn't know specifically what I wanted to do. I had no urge of camera. Um, I was always quite a creative kid, but didn't necessarily foresee myself in art department. And I I quite like the idea of production. I mean, I I actually started when I moved back to London. I I worked in post for a bit. I was at MPC as a runner um, for a good six months. There was a couple of job openings in the production. It's all right. I mean, I learned quite similar to a production company. Well, no. I mean, there's a lot less daylight. Um, <laughs> I, I I learned quite quickly within the six months there. Even when there were you know openings in the production team, that actually it was quite an enclosed, albeit very fun, interesting, and and incredibly sort of intellectual side of the of, of the industry. It wasn't something that I necessarily wanted to do because my experience of in the industry thus far had been running. You know, from A to B, delivering packages, picking up X, Y and Z, meeting this person, taking that to him or her. And, and actually finding myself in and out of suites with no natural daylight and surrounded by computer screens and not getting out as much as I probably could be was quite a quick realisation that it wasn't what I wanted to do. So yeah. I, I kind of moved on from NPC and, and went freelance again and did some more shoot did some more shoots and and got more familiar with shoots and looked into some more departments. And actually the more I saw of it, the more I realized I wanted to get in production. And and it was then that I actually, you know, sat down for a good few days, did my research, looked up some of the biggest production companies in in London and just started. um, Yeah. I mean, started applying for jobs as an in-house runner um, and had an interview with Mary Francis, who, A lot of people will know, absolute legend, MD of what was then called the Paul Whelan Film Company. Um, And in my interview, she turned around to me and she said, "Um, so what is it that you want to do?
2: Mm.
1: And I said, I want to be a producer. And she was quite taken aback by that because I think a lot of young runners, both male and female, when they go for in-house running jobs are often those who have studied film, obsessed with cinematography, the arts, the creative, and generally want to be Directors, and I, mm. there is no certain path you can follow progressing in the industry or, or choosing your path or your career. But I think she was quite taken aback. So I was, I was basically then there as an in-house runner at Wayland's for nearly two and a half years.
0: Nice. That's and that yeah. in-house running. That's tough hours. So what era were we? Like, where, where are we thinking? What ninety something, late nineties, early yeah,
1: noughties. Old. I'm not that old, believe 80 old. Um, I believe Um 75,
0: 1960, summer of <laughs> si- 69, 69, there summer you go.
1: <laughs> I, think, I think, I mean, I'd have to dig up my CV, but I think it was around the early 2000s, 2001 or two, probably oh, yeah. 2002. Uh, and I learned very quickly, I mean, this is back in the day when, you know, as a, as a production, commercials, production film company, you know, they had a whole building, they had four floors and everything now and this is this is pre-dvds this is Umax d1s Betas, ptakes Digi beaters and you know that you're right it was long hours i mean the hours that we do now on on shoots you know it it's it's no comparison but i think it was a really interesting insight into how the production worked from start mm. to finish and you know there were producers like Kate Martin, Trina Pele, Casper Delaney, Mary Francis, Jason Kemp. You know, and they were working with these amazing directors, and and it was just myself and one of my now best mates, Johnny Rayner, who's a phenomenal film and TV editor. Nice. And we grew up in the industry together, and yeah. you know we we had our, we had our own little BMX, and we used to scoot around Soho delivering parcels, nice. making show real tapes of production, and you just got a really good insight into how it all worked, and you you know you had to sort of fight for you had to fight for your right of passage up through the ranks and yeah. and i was quite quick in setting myself the targets of obviously going into the next step which was a production assistant and mm-hmm. and i actually threatened my resignation um what bold Look <laughs> it was quite it. A bold move yeah especially especially to someone someone like mary francis he was quite terrifying but a very very good boss and um and she urged me not to leave as there might have been an opening coming up soonish. And I mm. actually ended up production assisting for Kate Martin mm. on a couple of jobs. And and you know, production, much like anyone in the film production industry, when you build your teams, you have to have a very, very good, strong relationship, a good understanding of each other. And actually what was interesting with Kate is I was so new to that level of production. And she by no means was old, but she was very ingrained in the way she worked, and and we just didn't have that, we didn't have that collective click, and and yeah. so I kind of took those two jobs as a, as a as a junior, very much junior PA, and handling my resignation and went freelance. Wow, um, which was an even bolder move, I think, because <laughs> um, I didn't really know what I was doing.
0: Yeah. So what? But what? Um, there there must have been a gut instinct. You knew. You know, deep down, it's you know.
1: I think there was I think my self-set target was to was to be a runner in house 18 to 24 months I kind of did that and then got given an opportunity and and I kind of learned the basics and you know there was a hierarchical structure to production back then as there is now but it was much more so then and mm. as a production assistant you had very specific tasks and and I felt that I could learn quicker and possibly more easily off more people collectively rather than just one so Sensible. i kind of jump ship and 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 use my contacts of people that i would worked with at Paul and company recently or previously um and kind of hooked up with them and and worked my ass off for next to nothing and mm. you know this is a stage of a career where people know you are fully trained people know you're still learning that you're new to this new side of it and you know there's no some people will pay you correctly, some people will pay you APA some people will pay you what they want, and others you'll just offer to work for th- you know for free mm. um and that's essentially what happened and i i I sort of grafted and worked for these amazing kind of three or four sets of different producers and production managers for a good few years and and actually what what in turn happened is a lot of the production managers that I was paying for started to produce, so of course, I jumped up with them so nice. I was I was really I was very lucky in the sense that I I learnt a lot very quickly off some very, very good people. Um Campbell Salmon, um who else was there? There was Nancy Hallam, um Lindsay, they're all these great people and, and and Neil Cray, who I believe is still now at Caviar. And so I started PMing for all of them, production managing, and and obviously you have much more responsibility and and you know you've got financial elements and were you ready for it more involved in the planning uh are you ever ready for it i mean that's the question really i mean like i said you know we constantly learn in this industry every day we're constantly thrown new tasks and challenges and and i think that's part of the part of the fun and the joy of it and yeah, so I, I I production managed for a few years with some really, really, really good producers. So we're still in the industry and, and a lot of them are exec producers now and some of them are still producers and freelancing mm. um, and really enjoyed it and and you know and, and started to learn so much more and so quickly. Um, and then from there, it was kind of, it was obvious that it, I'd chosen the path that I wanted to follow ultimately and I wanted to be a producer and and back in the days and I'm sure you'll remember this company Flynn Productions um yeah. was just this 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 hub of um young passionate creativity um and Mary Corderwood, who is still in the industry I mean, you know she kind of she'd find young people and bring them in and we were shooting three or four music videos a month um it's where
0: i got to step I, up I was, as a second it's like you know i was right. two years into it and the first idea would be like look i got a promo come in and and help out you know
1: yeah dude i mean it was it was a it was a really you know it was a really crucial hub for a lot of people and it was a small company on pitfall street in shoreditch and and you know we were all living the dream in our you know early 20s and some of us even younger and getting paid an absolute pittance because hence the world of music videos and where we were with our careers and Mm. and i was doing a job for magic fm tv idents with neil cray and i can't remember the exact reason but he had to stand down i think he got sick or something like that and mary turned around to me and said can you handle it and i you know (laughs) you you can't you can't turn down an offer like that Uh and i was terrified yeah absolutely terrified um and literally we delivered the job and Neil came back from, from if I'm not mistaken, from my memory. And, and we delivered the job and everybody was happy. And then, the mem- you know, Mary basically turned around and said, do you, do you want to produce a music video? And I thought, oh shit, I've actually got to step up to the game now. Um, <laughs> do I actually know what I'm doing? And it was a really lovely, very low budget music video for Turing Breaks with directors Carney and Saul. And I think Dan, no, who was it? Chris Sabagal, I think, was lighting it, and and it was a very post-heavy job. So my side of it was quite simple, and literally that was it. That was that was the kickoff of my producing career, and a little bit of MPC background,
0: you know, that little kind of six months MPC. Did that help you out with the with the post stuff? I
1: I think it must have done a little bit, but I mean, to be honest, MPC such a incredible huge engine with so many moving parts as a runner you know dude our our jobs our jobs range from delivering tapes and and messages to cleaning suites offering people tea and cleaning toilets so you didn't generally get to spend a lot of time in the suites and actually absorb what was going on but it definitely helped and and gave me an insight into it and and how the process would worked but yeah, that was essentially kind of my my path into production, up to producing, really.
0: And once you got that, once you were on that rung of producing, was there ever a thought of kind of going? Yeah, well, I'll dip my toe back into production, managing every now and again, or was it very much like uh, once you once you started producing, you can't go back? this, like once you start saying you're a second, you shouldn't go back to running that kind of vibe. Uh, I
1: don't know, dude. It's a good question. I mean, for me, I was I was. We were really, really hard working core, like I said, of young creatives at, at, at Flynn. And I think that the the workflow was so high. Mm. The idea of actually stepping back, back down to production, managing never even entered my head because we were shooting three to four music videos a month. And I mean, you're, you know, whilst you're prepping Such a one and going into shoot one, Jesus. your turnaround was massive. And, yeah. you, you know, you're talking about post-production on a music video, whether it was post-heavy or not, or just a straightforward edit. You're still talking of up to two weeks, so yeah. you're kind of you, you're kind of piggybacking one job one to another, if not two to three. Um, That's and such a great learning
0: curve, Matt. Like some people kind of go, "Oh, I'm going to produce," and it's like one job every three months if it's a TVC, but three or four jobs a month. How do you? I guess you've got to be you've got to be in your younger years because you're probably not sleeping. Uh,
1: I think age or being of the younger age definitely, definitely helped. I think the, the fact that we're part of a, like a collective community, like a lot of young family really helped as well. Mm. Um, we all, every day we went for lunch together, we all went out drinking together, we all partied together. So, I mean, needless to say, the candle was always burnt at both ends, but I think you, I think you, just the drive and the excitement of it. I mean, this is again, music videos, like you know that, well, and commercials as well, but. The industry has changed so dramatically in the last ten plus years. I mean, even the last two, three years, it's changed yeah, yeah. hugely. But uh, back then, you know, the the, the workflow, music videos, <clears throat> and the actual output, of the amount of work that was being done, was was huge. And there was so much work to accept and take on. You just wouldn't say no to anything, yeah. and that was that was the key. And that's what I learned very quickly, even as a as a freelance production assistant blagging my way into production managing and then (laughs) quite happily falling into producing a a flinty music videos. You just, you, you just, you just didn't say no. Yeah. Anybody asked you anything, you just said yes and you did it. And and that's what we were taught to do, you know, from an early age in our teens as runners is you Mm. basically never said no and, and you never sat down and you kept busy and, and you did anything and everything possible. So.
0: And was there ever a point that you, You know, with that amount of work happening, you might not have even been able to think about it, but was there ever a point where you went, okay, I'm a producer, I feel confident, I'm comfortable in it, I know I can do this now with my eyes closed?
1: I don't, I mean, you've thrown me there. (laughs) industry is always changing, targets are always changing, and so you're always trying to find a new method, a new solution. And I think you just... I think you just. I think you just went for it every mm. time. I mean, obviously, if you did repeat business, you know, I've never done tabletop, but there's 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 certain there's certain practical methodology to doing types of film, whether it be tabletop or food, and 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 people have an approach to it, and they have, they build a system and a logic that works. Um, I mean, obviously, everything changes, everything even with food and tabletop, it always changes and targets always moving. But I don't think that I don't, I, I hope actually um, on a more optimistic note, I hope there will never be a day where I can close my eyes nice. and just do it with my eyes closed because actually part of the fun of what we do is, is the mm. challenge.
0: How have you evolved? Have you got, have you changed from those early days producing to where you are now? I've aged. <laughs> we all have. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. definitely aged. <laughs> um, I think so. I think. I think we just get wiser, and I think we get we 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 increase in familiarity with certain things. And and you know, back in the day when we shot on film and film only, I mean, as I started producing the digital revolution, if you can yeah. call it that, was rife. And I mean, you know, Red were one of the first manufacturers to release you know digital camera, and, and nobody knew how it mm. worked. nobody knew how to manage the workflow. This was pre-DITs. Yep. Um, before insurance wouldn't allow anybody bar a DIT to manage data, we we had no idea what we were doing. We no, had no idea how to transcode things. And, and I think you just develop. Um, and I think the exciting thing about the industry now is so much is changing all the time so quickly, it's almost impossible to stay mm. on top of it. But you You just every time you find something new, you just sponge it and absorb it and try and learn as much about it as possible and I, it's one of my one of my passions is you know I can't tell you how many different types of camera X, Y, and Z produce and what they do and what their particulars are. but you know if i'm if I'm prepping a job and, and our our confirmed DOP sends me through his list and it's something I'm not familiar with. I'll mm-hmm. look it up. Because if you don't know what you're talking about in production, then you essentially can't do your job properly because you're you're there, you're there as a lifeline, you're there Mm. as support for you know, with the help of your HODs and the rest of your crew, because everybody counts, but you're basically there to to help manage the whole process. I mean, essentially you're you know, you're you're a construction foreman on a on a building site. Mm. You're you're there to run the schedule, the budget, the crew, the people, the timeline, everything. So the more you know about What's involved in the job that you're producing, the more, the more one, the more you'll get right. And the two, you know, two essentially the more you can help those around you and and work more effectively and efficiently as a team.
0: Now that team that you're talking about that's so important, how do you how do you as a director like to work? Sorry, how do you as a producer like to work with the directors that you work with? Is it very individual on a case by case, or is there certain things that you do
1: all the time? I think every director has their own their own quirks, really, much like every producer, every first AD, every DOP. I mean, people build, I mean, not their own brands, but people build their own mm. personalities. Um, the more you get to work with them, the more you understand them and the more familiarity there is. But I think directors in their own right tend to have their own unique quirks. And, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough to sort of work repeatedly for a handful of directors and, and, and then you, you kind of build... A process and a system that works for you both but I think every job is unique within its mm. own right and and you know as a producer you're you know hopefully brought on from the very early stages of bidding when the director's writing their treatment um you connect and collaborate with the with the director as to what you think isn't or is achievable within budget within time frame within schedule I mean the whole bidding process has become so huge now especially in TVCs, whereby you know, you build a whole specific project folder wow. to submit to the agency and the client for hope to hopefully get job confirmation. I mean, that will be you know the director's treatment, your budget, a supporting bid letter, you know, really detailed detailing, like eloquently what elements and what details the budget includes and what it doesn't include. you write up a production schedule you know, that essentially illustrates from birth or confirmation or job awards right up and through till delivery and play out and air date of commercial. And I think it's essential to work side by side yeah. with a director, but also that that kind of, you know, if the job awards and, and you're lucky enough to win the job, I mean, that enough you know, in itself is, is a huge reward because the bidding process can take weeks, months mm. sometimes. Um, and then the fun starts you know begins and 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 you start building your film family um yeah is there is there
0: is there a kind of job that you're doing that you can have give us a little case study something that just was just right something just happened that you kind of thought would be a little tricky but actually just worked out just perfect or are you all nda'd up
1: well, the last job I did was with director Rob Chew at Iconoclast, which wasn't NDA. That was a BMW and then new fleet of hybrid nice. cars. I mean, it, it was a lot of fun. Rob and I hadn't worked together. He's a great director, a really, really talented young guy. And we got paired together by Anna smith Tenzer, who was the MD of Iconoclass at the time. And, and we'd met socially on a couple of occasions. So there was already, already a good connection mm. between us. And actually what we did was collectively between the two of us was you know we had to I had to research into where I thought would be essentially the most the, the most beneficial locations or countries should I say to shoot the yeah. TVC. we were doing three 30 seconds all almost identical to one another but for different mm-hmm. cars um and we needed uh we it was a night shoot five consecutive nights so we had to think about what the weather was going to be doing what the typography of the land was where we could get the cars to with shipping obviously we had um we were going into longer longer daylight hours which meant shorter nights in the UK obviously the weather wasn't too good so you you kind of collectively work together in in actually trying to find with you know location archive images and you know this is this is pre- job award i mean you're, you're doing all this research wow. into where the best place is and and where you can do it i mean i think if i'm not mistaken i think the bidding process on this job that we've just delivered just prior to lockdown actually was about six or seven weeks but i guess
0: that attention to detail it's not just we're going to shoot a car somewhere and it's going to look great gives the job that attention to detail if i'm a client i'm like they kind of give a fuck they care they kind of you know they they get it it's their baby and you'll want to take yeah. their thing, you know, you, you, you want to add to their, to their process.
1: Yeah, no, totally. And I think, I think, you know, at the same time, I think if you, if you show, if you show reason and intent and positivity and you show the attention to detail, like in an illustrative way as to how you fit it and how you thought about the process. I mean, I, one of the things that I've always been taught to do by the great producers that I learned from, even though the bidding process is has massively complicated over the years and and got become a much bigger beast is you know let's say for example we were looking at Madrid let's say we were looking at South Africa let's say we're looking at Ukraine I mean for BMW I think we looked at about seven different countries including the UK and some would become too expensive um some wouldn't work because the cars couldn't get there and so on and so forth and I think what I tend to do is I tend to present the whole package because I want the agency and I want the clients to see that we've done the research and we've Mm. looked into it. And if they want to pay more money than the money that they said they would originally have for the commercial, and that might be, for sake of argument, one of the countries that has a lot to offer with regards to locations, crews, you know, all the rest of it, then then They can Mm. go for it, rather than you just presenting the option that's bang on the money or one that's cheaper. I mean, it's essentially it's their money and it's their choice. But with your creative suggestions and that of the director, you can hopefully offer them, you know, the 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 best options.
0: Right. Well, that's. I'm like, I had a great chat, and I feel like I'm getting close to the forty five minutes, and I don't. I like to kind of keep them roughly around there, just so that it doesn't take up much of your time, and 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 people get the most out of these and i always love to give the floor dude i've got all <laughs> the time in the world look at so ladies <laughs> and gents you're not you know you're you're listening but we've just moved from the conservatory into the look what looks like the sitting room and we've just got into a nice little rocking chair the blankets come on that i guess the slippers are on <laughs> if we could have a pipe
1: it be. There. that's that's why i've got the blanket my feet are too cold <laughs> it's bloody freezing in
0: here. <laughs> oh amazing well look what do you do you, is there is there people and you know this is like your chance now to um one give yourself some advice to your younger self and two then just give your shout out so what what have you got to say to you the younger you
1: i think um i think one of the one of the key things that i'm actually still trying to learn at the ripe age of 37 is patience mm. um I think patience in this industry is is so key, um, whether you're trying to find a solution to a problem or just waiting for something to happen. And so patience, remaining calm, and just trust your instinct. Um, that's something I didn't always do as a runner. I mean, we said before no, that no question is ever too stupid. And the one great thing about this podcast, actually, and the one great thing about our industry is people love talking about themselves their careers mm. and what they do um and that's what's so exciting about this industry and, and i think you, you've got to trust your instincts and that's something that i didn't necessarily always do as a, as a young runner or a young pa or a young pm and if you don't trust yourself and your instincts and you don't go with your gut you'll probably end up making more mistakes than you would do if you didn't just go with your yeah. gut instinct agreed
0: agreed all right well look this is your oscar you've just got up you're in your tux you're, you're on the podium Hey, what's, do you want to give a shout-out to anyone, an organisation, a people, a thing, a person? The floor's yours.
1: I mean, it's mad. I mean, it, there's so many people that I want to give a shout-out to. I mean, obviously, the production companies that, that employ me, the directors that still work with me. I mean, Caspar Delaney was a big influence. I believe he's still an exec producer at RSA Films. I mean, he took me away to Uruguay for a month as a runner slash production translator at the age of 21, 22. And that was kind of my real insight into production and and what the world of a producer had to offer. So that was incredible. So he's, he's been a big inspiration point for me, but generally just all the directors I work with, all the crew that I work with, all the service companies I work with all around the world, all the suppliers, the camera hire, rental grip, lighting, prop houses, the people that get, forgotten i think just big shout out to everyone and i think just um even bigger shout out to just everyone in the industry who's who's doing their best to survive at the yeah,
0: moment it's really. a strange it is a strange time yeah there has um, been a few kind of apa zoom chats and those kind of things that have had like 500 people a couple of times i've kind of gone to join in and it's like you can't there's 500 and you know keep rejoining and there's the you know there's documents that are starting and Europe is starting to kind of open its doors um, to shooting. I don't know when this will come out, but it might be much further down the line. Um, but you know, I think Scandinavia just started opening, so the future's the future's bright. It's it's going to be different. You know, things are going to have to have changed from what we knew and how we used to do it. But as you said before, you kind of you know that digital revolution. Maybe this is now a, a, a another sort of revolution that. Will need us as creative people to come up with creative solutions to, to the problems that we're facing, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I totally agree, dude. And and actually, one thing that that that's always so apparently clear in this industry is is it's it has to be one of the most adaptive industries mm. in the world. And when you put a solid team of people together with a, a, a an army of HODs and and all all their fellow employees, and you have a full film crew there's no one better to adapt and find a way around it. And I think, you know, they are strange times and and it's very unnerving for a lot of people, whether it's your mortgages or your kids or your families or when you're going to work again. But you know, there, there, there is mm. a future and it's bright and we'll always bounce back. I mean, the one thing you have to remember is everyone, the world needs entertainment. Yep. And if you're in the world of TV season commercials, Products need to advertise. Yeah. They need to sell their product. So we'll bounce back, and when I don't know, but it will happen. Love it. Well,
0: look, ladies and gents, I told you it was going to be fucking cracking. He smashed it. Are you going to listen back to your? Will you listen back to this? Or will you just be like, I can't do it.
1: I will, and I'll, I will, and I'll, I will, and I'll probably do it maybe on my hourly walk of the day, off on my own, with my headphones in, so I can shout. <laughs> the annoyance of my own voice but uh yeah no it'll be fun it'd be fun and i love thanks, what you're man. doing man and i think it's really Appreciate special it. whether whether you're a teenager or a film student trying to get into the industry or or whether you're just one of the many crew that i love and that i've worked with over the years i think it's really fun it's it's bringing people together it's informative it's informal and um i think you're doing thanks, a great brother. thing man so keep thanks up. man
0: well look uh, film family thank you for listening thank you for carrying on listening um, hit a little review it always does well for the charts um, hit a little subscribe send it to friends send it to family send it to anyone that you get hit up by a work experience that wants to know what the industry is about send them there you know it's it's a place that should be useful for everyone um, so thank you for listening thank you for your time enjoy your walk enjoy your dinner big love and until we meet again that's a wrap that was a chat with the king or queen in the game i'll give it a shout at the end so you all know the name it's the film god's podcast the what
1: the film god podcast